Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Darkness has arisen upon the earth and gross darkness upon the people. It is Satan's hour. Satan's hour of darkness is upon us. And indeed, we're seeing the very spirit of Antichrist being laid out, being uh, prepared right before us in living color, seeing what it looks like, even though we normally would not even recognize it as coming from the spirit of Antichrist. Because when it comes in the name or under color of law, in the United States of America, when it comes under the color of the presidency of the United States, when it comes under the color of the Department of Justice or the FBI, then it's hard for us to get our minds and hearts around the fact that, indeed, this is the darkness that is coming upon the earth. And gross darkness, the people. And so what are we supposed to do? Many of you, I'm sure, just as I and many others are wringing our hands figuratively or spiritually in different ways, saying, Lord, how long? How long must we be put up with this ever-increasing darkness? How long? The Apostle John dealt with this issue uh, back in the book of John. (laughs) He addressed us as little children. And uh, he said, little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard, the Antichrist shall come, even now, are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. It is the last time. Christ's coming imposter is the Antichrist. He is the one to whom Satan, the devil, delegates his authority to impress his ultimate will upon all humanity by whatever means necessary. Yet John tells us that even now there are many antichrists. So what does that mean? If there be many antichrists since Christ's resurrection, they must operate and gain their deceptive effectiveness by the same basic tools employed by their sender. Satan, which he employed in the Garden of Eden to masterful success, and which has never lost their efficacy to achieve his demonic lordship. And so we're often reminded, as you know, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So if the Antichrist is the deceiver's relegated, delegated representative 
to accomplish his will so as to deceive the masses, thus disqualifying them from their desired eternal destiny, he need only utilize his employer's proven methods. If we would soon, if we would then be victorious in this final battle for our souls, we must reacquaint ourselves with the deceiver's devices, which we are going to do here today on Viewpoint. But before we go into that, all of this becomes so convoluted, it seems. How are we to comprehend the fact that the so-called Department of Justice which increasingly is renowned only as the Department of Injustice, has absolutely no connection with either the the fact or the spirit of justice. (coughs) How are we supposed to know uh, what's going on? How are we supposed to connect? Well, the reality is there comes a point where you just can't. It becomes overwhelming. The spirit of Antichrist and his deception is so grave and it is so monumental, so sweeping in its import and applications that the reality is it's overwhelming. It becomes the very air that we breathe. It becomes the very environment that we swim in. And so for us as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to be very careful that we don't just get swallowed up by knee-jerk reaction to on-the-ground developments, such as the assault on our former president's Mar-a-Lago estate, unprecedented, seemingly totally lawless. Oh, you can justify just about anything. You can find some judge that will tell you, oh, it's okay. It's called forum shopping, friends. Forum shopping is not justice. It's the perversion of justice. We learned through Jim Comey what they did in forum shopping with regard to (coughs) getting permission through judges to take down Donald Trump. It was forum shopping. It was illegitimate. It was dishonest all in the name of justice. The thing that's so distressing is that the greatest, shall we say, deception is that which comes in the name of the truth. In the name of the law. We like to think of the law as the law, as the law. But the reality is that increasingly over the past 40, 50 years, the very concept of the law has changed dramatically in America. 
so that the law is not necessarily the law, is not necessarily the law. It's whatever a judge says it is or wants it to be or whatever a president wants it to be. So the legitimacy of law has lost its moral authority. The moral imagination of law of lawfulness in our country has just about disappeared. And then we wonder why trust trust is so delicately destroyed. Where is trust anymore? What should we do? What can you and I do? Go ahead and parade out there with banners and so on? Or is there something else that you and I need to do? Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Always a delight to be able to come before you here on Viewpoint to talk about the things that matter most. And indeed, we don't want to be carried away by knee-jerk reactions to what everybody else is talking about with the same talking points, because it doesn't necessarily accomplish anything. There has to be a way to rise above those business-as-usual, generic talking points in order to pierce to the heart of the matter and gain some understanding that can make a difference in your life and in mine. Believe it or not, when I came out with the book Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, there were so, so many characteristics of this person, personage, a representation, a representative of Satan himself, that it was just almost overwhelming. And we tried to do everything that we could to somehow lay things out in a way that they could be understood, not in sensationalism, but in a way that we could really respond to as true followers of Jesus Christ. See, the problem is that we are told that indeed the Antichrist is the lawless one. He is the spirit of lawlessness, which is exactly the opposite of the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ is the spirit of the law of God. The law of Antichrist is the spirit of Satan 
who resists all authority and claims his own authority to supersede God's authority. He did that in the <coughs> in the heavens when he said, I will uh, ascend to the heights of the north. I will be like the Most High God. And then he continues to do the same, and his modus operandi has not changed. It is continuing. And we see it being played out. And we don't quite understand. Yes, this is lawlessness. But how can it be lawlessness when it's the Attorney General of the United States, when it's the President of the United States, when it's the FBI, when it's the CIA, people that are institutions that are committed and trusted to protect the American citizenry against lawlessness. And yet we find that those very institutions have been completely co-opted to lawlessness. No wonder there's confusion. And where there's confusion, there's chaos. The problem with the chaos is that it ultimately has to be resolved. And that's the reason why these political operatives know that what they're doing is setting up a situation that leads to nothing but chaos. And that that chaos, then, must be resolved. Now, how is that chaos going to be resolved? It's going to be resolved by completely undermining law and order as we know it. Completely undermining constitutional protections as we know them. Completely undermining biblical authority as we have known it. All of those must fall in order for the so-called chaos to be resolved. And therein lies the trajectory of globalism, which ultimately is what this is all about. It's not about Donald Trump and the presidency of the United States per se. It's about the fact that he stands for America first which is what every president heretofore supposedly has understood and committed themselves to constitutionally. Except in the last 40 years, we have seen a series of presidents come forth. Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, all of them, 
globalists. And in one way or the other, were doing whatever they could to help facilitate the change of the world order. (coughs) In other words, we could not continue on with the order of things as they are. It had to change. There had to be a new world order a new global government. And this is the reason why believe it or not it might be hard for you to uh, comprehend this but this is the reason why Donald Trump continues with every passion in his being to stand for the American people and to stand against the spirit of globalism, which is the spirit of anti-Christ. And for that, he must be destroyed. They are not going to tolerate him. He got in there once, and they're not going to allow it again because all the globalists here in the so-called January 6th commission are intent on using lawlessness to destroy him. It has nothing whatsoever to do with the law, with truth, with justice, with fairness, with equity, has nothing whatsoever to do with those things. There is a much, much, much bigger agenda ahead. We need to acknowledge that, accept that, because if we do not, we're going to continue to be swallowed up by the deception that is uh, sweeping the earth. And so we want to take a look at the Antichrist modus operandi. And uh, for those of you who do not have a copy of the book Antichrist, I urge you to get a copy. It is a uh, $22 book, yours, on our website, saveus.org. SaveUs.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Christ's coming imposter is the Antichrist. He is the one to whom Satan, the devil, delegates his authority to impress his ultimate will upon all humanity by whatever means necessary. If the Antichrist is the deceiver's delegated representative to accomplish his will so as to deceive the masses, 
thus disqualifying them from their desired eternal destiny. He need only utilize his employer's proven methods. If we would then be victorious in this final battle for our souls, we must reacquaint ourselves with the deceiver's devices. Now, interestingly, the scripture says, we're not ignorant of his devices. But the reality is, most are. Most are. So this is precisely what the Apostle John uh, does in his three uh, epistles in preparation for these very times in which we live. Many pastors and parishioners, I fear, miss the end-time context in which John writes, thereby missing the practical and profound applications of what it means to truly love God and to bear that love in our lives. Love, therefore, becomes rooted more in emotion than in devotion. Remember Judas? Fellowshiped with Christ, but didn't truly follow him? So what then are the deceiver's devices? What modus operandi has Satan employed with such amazing success over the millennia and since creation? And if we can identify those devices or deceptive ways and means, we'll then be prepared to live victoriously in triumph over the masterful seduction of Satan and his counterfeit Christ. So the deceiver's negation actually reveals our triumphal obligation. So here is the very first thing. And this may seem strange that we bring this up. Lie number one. Obedience is so yesterday. Obedience is so yesterday. The dissing of obedience to God and his word, including Christ the living word, is your arch enemy's foundational ploy, undermining God's foundational life principle. From the Garden of Eden at creation, to the devil's final attempt to impose a godless garden on earth through the global government in this culminating hour of history, the deceiver's masterfully successful means of operation to destroy has never changed. He merely presents these words, Hath God said. (coughs) Don't forget those words. Hath God said. And then Satan waits patiently for our ever-equivocating response, which inevitably elevates our human feelings or rationale over Father God's authority. So the imposter will successfully employ that very same device, thus consigning the majority of uh, humankind to godless perdition. The Apostle John, who also penned the Apocalypse, that is, Revelation, speaks poignantly to this problem. Consider carefully, for they are actually words of warning 
that we might be triumphant in the increasing pressurized times of testing of our faith. Here's what John said. Hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him truly is the love of God perfected. Thereby, we know that we are in him. And he that keeps his commandments dwells in him, and he in him. This is so important, friends. After this break, we'll finish up with the final statement he makes in this series. Oh, you just never seem to get There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Lawlessness will increase. We're told that. Lawlessness will increase. And in fact, it is increasing. We see it. We don't like what we see. It's painful to see it. Sometimes we don't even recognize the fact that we become participant in that lawlessness. And that's pretty dangerous. And that's why we need to be very careful here today as we're training for triumph. We want to make sure that we don't fall into the snare that Satan has set, the trap that he has set for the majority of those who will follow his pernicious ways. The Apostle John said, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. And this is the love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. There's nothing about this that seems to be obtuse. The problem is the devil is always in the details. 
always, when we begin to rationalize, like Eve did in the garden, Satan said, hath God said, Eve said, yes, but, and that's all Satan needed. Yes, but, and that's how he gets you and me. That's how he gets us to disobey the Father and to become lawless and not even realize it. So, what, what should we then expect to be the overarching and undergirding theme of the end-time assault on our faith? The unequivocal answer is dissing obedience as unnecessary, thereby causing even professing believers to, like Satan, elevate their own reasonings and thoughts or viewpoints over what the Creator or Redeemer has said. So, should there, should there be a surprise then that the word obey has progressively become the most hated and rejected word in the church today? No, we would expect that. It's a characteristic of lawlessness. The deceiver. And we bought into it hook, line, and sinker. The Apostle Paul gave us some genuine, spiritual, triumphant uh, guidance. He said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, that is, reasonings and thoughts and arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Notice, Paul says we must bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We can't dance around it. We can't equivocate. Because the moment we do that, we are already participating in Satan's lawless methodology. Reasonings and thoughts. That's where the enemy gets us, isn't it? That's why we need to continue to study to show ourselves approved unto God, continually submitting ourselves to the word, will, and the ways of the Father. As the psalmist said, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation day and night. Thou through thy commandments, you have made me wiser than my enemies, and so on. Now, Lie number two, obedience is legalism. 
trust is revealed in obedience. A person can obey without trust, but what can never truly trust without obedience. A man who obeys solely because he's compelled to has no concept of a genuine, loving, and trusting relationship. The letter by itself alone kills the relationship. But love revealed through the spirit of trusting obedience gives life. So the deceiver has disclosed through the imposter his will to seduce you to follow the clarion call of the culture rather than the commands of Christ. He'll compel you through the pervasive dogma of your feelings to ignore or reject the doctrine of Christ. His methodology is insidious, but his message is insurrection against the Father's authority. That is true insurrection, friends. Satan's insurrection against the Father's authority. And that's why he's intent on getting you. Whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law, or lawlessness. Line number three. God is love, so he winks at my sin. The Antichrist spirit is the spirit of lawlessness, and sin is the transgression or rebellion against the law, which is lawlessness. Yes, God is a loving father, but he is also a father of fathers who has established the life boundaries for those he desires to claim fellowship for his family under the lordship of his son, who by his own declaration is the way the truth, and the life. And that same Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah, further declared that if you love me, keep my commandments. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments, that is, laws or family life ways, attitudes and boundaries. Furthermore, he that says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. How is it that we missed these passages? Because we didn't want to hear them. God is a true father. Therefore, he does not wink at our sin. Rather, He yearns that we come clean before him by unreservedly confessing our sin with remorseful candor, (coughs) having this confidence that if we truly repent and turn from our sinful breach, he will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the beauty. The deceiver and his earthly imposter, on the other hand, are in the excuse-making business. 
persuasively exhorting us to every conceivable rationalization and self-justification, even claiming it is our right to do as we wish without consequences, even under the banner of so-called freedom in Christ. Lie number four. We're taking a look at uh, Satan's massive deception. The spirit of lawlessness. Lie number four, taking the mark guarantees your safety. Here is the quintessential question for the true Christian believer. What does God, as a loving and caring father, desire most from those who claim to be his children? The simple and all-encompassing answer is our trust. So from Genesis chapter 2 through Revelation 22, the answer is always the same. And that therein lies the entirety of the Father's desires, plans, purposes, and expectations expectations for our lives, both in belief and behavior. Next question. Why would a true follower of Christ, the Messiah, take the infamous mark of the beast? The answer is actually quite simple in principle, yet difficult in practice. But why? It's because it is one thing to believe we are to trust the Lord, yet it is quite another to believe and behave as we say we believe. And herein lies the hidden deception of the Greco-Roman view of belief. The Greco-Roman view of belief is actually a pagan view adopted by the most of the Western world. We'll see how that works in just a moment. (coughs) Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, why would a true follower of Christ, the Messiah, take the infamous mark of the beast? Well, we would rationalize. That's how we do it. 
<coughs> the Greco-Roman view of belief is actually a pagan view. This view, adopted by most of the Western world, concludes and is satisfied that if I give cognitive assent to certain facts or truths, I am a true believer. On the contrary, the view of Jesus and his disciples in the New Testament, as well as in the view of the prophets in the Old Testament, is that if a person truly believes, his or her behavior will align itself with or match congruently the professed belief. And the difference is profound and can set the course of spiritual destiny. So what, what does this have to do with the deceiver's luring message that a follower of Jesus Christ can take the mark of the beast without eternal spiritual consequence? The imposter's seduction is that the mark will provide you and your loved ones with safety, security, prosperity, and temporal salvation. So a professing Christian is therefore confronted with a choice to trust Christ or to trust his counterfeit or to destroy. This becomes the consummate test of a believer's end-time trust. So lie number five then, God will forgive if I take the mark. The seductive premise of this luring deception is the knowledge that God is love. And while that is a biblical truth, Regarding God's character, it sidesteps the meaning and life application of love from the Creator's viewpoint. If God is love, then Christ, who embodies the fullness of the uh, Godhead, is also love. It is Yeshua, the Messiah, who declared repeatedly, If you love me, keep my commandments. So, the reality is <coughs> that there is a very seductive, luring temptation that is out there, amazingly prevalent among professing Christians, that God loves me so much, it doesn't matter whether I take the mark of the beast or not. He'll forgive me. Somebody might say, well, I'm not worshiping the beast. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, yes, you are worshiping the beast. Revelation chapter 14. So what we're looking at here is training for triumph. Training for triumph. Faith that triumphs. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in true love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. 
So that's why throughout the scriptures we're admonished to fear God, but are severely warned not to fear man. For the fear of man brings a snare. So, here we are, (coughs) standing in the need of prayer, all of us realizing the desperate nature of our world, having been confronted, assaulted with that which seems incomprehensible to us. That our own so-called law enforcement would be utilized to accomplish lawlessness and to destroy. The Bible says that, in fact, Jesus is specifically talked about in Luke chapter 21, that the time is coming when men's hearts would fail them for fear for the things that were coming upon the earth. So Jesus warned, watch and pray, that you enter not into temptation, because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober, serious-minded. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. As you see the day approaching, because of the exceeding deceitfulness of sin. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Clear your conscience. Hold your faith in a good conscience. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Submit to God in his word. For God resists the proud, but gives grace or enabling power to the humble. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, and do not be double-minded. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Love truth. Live righteously. The imposter's power is through the working of Satan, even with signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, but rather take pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, at the same time, cast not away your confidence. Be not slothful, 
the followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Endure hardship by faith. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And know this, that in these last days perilous times shall come. Prepare for persecution. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated for all nations by by name's sake. The brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Use hospitality. The end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, serious-minded, and hope to the end for the grace and favor enabling power that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts, that as he which is called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, life ways and attitudes, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And, beloved, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Be an overcomer. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Let no man take your crown. Endure patiently. Be strong and courageous. Test the spirits. Be steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
give diligence. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you should never fall. Every man that hath this hope in him, that is of the second coming of Christ, will purify himself even as Christ is pure. So, here is a benediction for each of us. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever, men. <coughs> Amen. Surely, I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. I hope this has been helpful. Yes, it's sobering. But these are indeed sobering times, aren't they? It is precisely in times like these that we need to be encouraged, sobered up, to prepare the way of the Lord. I hope that today has been helpful. Get a copy of the book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Covenant Foster. I think you'll find it to be a great encouragement. $22 on our website, Save Us Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. It's pressed for the mark. Prize of the high calling of God, Christ Jesus. Amen. been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.